This is Back to Debbie, a show brought to you by Campus Toucan. This podcast specializes in collegiate football players and their potential for future success in the NFL. I'm your host, Mike V. This is my co-host, Corey P. And we are going back to the final episode of our conference preview series. We're finishing up the ACC. We'll be going to the coaching changes. We're going to be going to current Debbie players. We're going to look into the future a little bit, some possible Debbie players here in the in the long distance future here. But first, Corey with the news. So first we'll head over to UTSA with two G5 wide receivers that we've been kind of keeping an eye on, getting a little bit of draft buzz. First we'll start with Joshua Cephas. Was just booked for that DWI he had um, back in December. Apparently when he got suspended back then, that's the uh, the only punishment that he was going to receive from that. He's apparently going to be uh, at least not suspended week one. He does still have a knee issue that we're keeping an eye on, but he's looking a lot more optimistic for week one. And Decorian Clark over there as well. Um, Head coach, I can't remember his name right now, uh, trailer over there, um, just said that they're not sure if he's going to be ready for week one yet. They're just playing it by year right now. He has a chance, but he also could start a little bit slow. I guess it's worrying me a little bit for a guy that's getting a little bit of draft buzz. He's starting to go high in C2C drafts that like he might start off a little bit slow, uh, might kind of have a slow year and then kind of trail off with that draft buzz. Hopefully he's strong down the stretch and really can grab the attention of scouts again. Um, heading over to Utah, we've got some injury news here. Brant Keithy, the tight end over there, he's 100% for the season opener, apparently. And their quarterback, Cameron Rising, he's going to be down to the wire to be able to play on week one. Um, so a little bit a, a little bit ominous there. We'll see if he can play. Um, heading over to Clemson, where wide receiver Bo Collins, he's apparently 100% heading into the summer. So we'll see if he can make a bounce back there. And then heading over to Georgia, where running back Kendall Milton is 100% again. Heading into the summer, so we'll see if he can make it to the season this time. Uh, Andrew Paul isn't 100% yet, but they're pretty optimistic he's going to be ready for week one, so that's good news there. And Branson Robinson still recovering from that spring injury that kept him out of the spring game um, when he was getting a little bit of a hype, so starting behind the eight ball a little bit coming into the summer. Um, just a reminder, guys, that we did just release the CFF guide on July 1st. That thing has 250 pages, team outlooks, projected depth charts, rankings, sleepers, the freshman 50, everything you need to attack your drafts this offseason. That thing is a $20 one-time purchase or become a member with one of our many subscription options, some of which include access to this guide, as well as our supplemental freshman guides, our Devi guide that we worked super hard on, and access to all our awesome tools that you see posted all over Twitter. Um, make sure you guys are checking out our family of podcasts as well the youtube channel to make sure you guys are keeping up to date with everything that's going on throughout the off season and mike this is episode number 52 what that means is we have done a full year of back to debbie and i have to say i'm pretty proud of us it, it's huge people people listening don't understand that it's a milestone marker everyone in the mm-hmm. industry recognizes that once you make it to a year the podcast is going to make it it's not going to weekly out. show too a weekly show too yeah a week, yeah give it up <laughs> give it up Yes, we've accomplished a lot. Dude. We've gotten we've gotten Debbie debate to question the name of their show. Huge accomplishment. I mean, it might be the best thing we've ever done on the show. <laughs> we are going to be celebrating. Corey, you know how we're going to celebrate this? How are you going to celebrate, Mike? We're going to celebrate this by getting each other some home field apparel. That's right. I'm Ooh, buying I like Corey that. I like that. A, uh, a Minnesota t-shirt. I think that's his team. And then like an Atlanta Falcons shirt as well. They probably don't have that because it's more college apparel. Um, those are your teams, right, Corey? Minnesota those and uh, my, those are not my teams, but that's okay. I got the states are right though, right? <laughs> they're uh, sure. I don't know. I'm a Minnesota Vikings fan, UGA. Uh, fan. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Got the states right. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> but we're going to head on over to Home Field Apparel with the code CAMPUS, the number two in KIN for 15% off our first purchase. I've already blown my email, so I'm going to use somebody else's email. But So protect your emails out there because I'm searching for those emails. But we're going to go over to Home Field Apparel for that nice retro collegiate athletic apparel. And also, guys, we want to announce that Corey and I are going to start off the new year of Back to Debbie with a mailbag episode for the listeners, a listener's mailbag episode. So keep your eye out for a tweet. We'll be going into our members' Discord. But again, we'll also be now moving up to Twitter for the non-members. Ask us any questions at all, uh, football-related, non-football-related, just whatever. We're here doing it for the fans. We just want to say a thank you to everyone that has supported our podcast for our first year and for many more. And I'm going to hand it off to my kid after that and his kid after that. And then his his kid after that, and so on and so forth. And same with Corey's kid. We're going to force him to do it. <laughs> Corey, let's get into it. Let's get into our one-year episode. We are wrapping up with the ACC. A little bit less eventful here. I do want to say ahead of time, though, we will not be doing a G5 section. There's just been too many transfers. Um, just, just That's just the nature of the game nowadays. As soon as they you know get a little bit of hype, they're moving up. Um, and I, I hit up our Slack. I asked the CFF team because I know they're gonna, the CFF team is going to throw out some random names for guys that we'll never consider for Debbie assets. So I threw in, <laughs> I threw into the CFF chat. They had, hey, who do you guys think are some long shot Debbie players? And uh, I didn't recognize half the names. One of them was Odu Hilaire, um, and that was a very quick hard pass on that one. So I, I just, <laughs> we just decided that we will not be doing a G five section. We'll we'll find some time at some point to highlight some yeah. guys that we're going to be watching, but we just don't think there's a there's a show worth of guys to talk about. Yeah, without making some extreme reaches, so we will throw them in. It'll be like a segment in the next month or so before the season starts. But uh, we will not be dedicating an episode to it. But we will be going over Notre Dame after the ACC because they are independent. But I at least I personally do consider them Power Five with the way they develop talent. All right, let's get into it. We are starting off with UNC. New OC, Chip Lindsey comes in. Phil Longo is off to Wisconsin. So Chip Lindsey here was the UCF offensive coordinator last year. And then 2019 to 21, he was Detroit head coach. From 2017 to 2018, he was the Auburn offensive coordinator. From 2016, the Arizona State offensive coordinator. And then 2014 to 2015, the Southern Miss offensive coordinator. So uh, this guy has been around a lot. And it's kind of hard to really say what he does well. It's just it's just all over the place. Um, so Phil Longo came in, right? He's this uh, air raid offense. He's made Sam Howell. He helped make Drake May, uh, Josh Downs. UNC is on the map as a program that does develop uh, Devi landscape guys. But uh, Lindsey's just all over a place. And it's just really hard to nail down what he does. So going over to the QB room, right? Uh, Jeremy's Plumbing was a dual threat mobile QB uh, for UCF last year. Um, but that wasn't the case at Troy where he had a statue in the pocket. Uh, he did have Nick Mullins at Southern Miss. Nick Mullins made it to the NFL. So you got to hang your hat on that one. Um, he just seems to, I don't want to say like he plays to the strength of his QB. He does have some flexibility, but none of these offenses have really been too prolific. So uh, getting into it, let's start off with the obvious Debbie asset here in the QB room, Drake May. Um, Corey, I've talked a lot here. So I got you, I got you going on Drake May first. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can just be brief on, on some of the stuff we all know about Mr. Drake May uh, passed for the most yards in the ACC last year, uh, only five interceptions that was second best in the ACC with quarterbacks uh, over 200 pass attempts uh, led the team in rushing uh, best completion percentage in the ACC. At 
Like he just has the complete package only his first year starting. So really just scratching the surface on what we can see. Um, the new OC coming in, there's a lot of changes here as well, which kind of uh, give me a little bit of skepticism. New OC, you've got a new wide receiver core you're trying to mold with. So hopefully we'll see how he deals with that, facing a little bit of adversity coming into the season. And then the big thing for me um, when I kind of look at Drake May and, and keeping him up there at the top, like right at that top tier, I know you're pretty high on him as well. I think you you even said he might even be your quarterback one in next year's class. But that 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 wall he hit at the end of last year, you know, the the, the final four games, you know, first 10 games, he was averaging 341 pass yards, 3.4 touchdowns, 0.3 interceptions, and had a 70% completion percentage. Then last four games, lost all four of them. Uh, he only passed for 227 yards a game, one touchdown, one interception, 56% completion percentage. So he just kind of hit this wall. And I don't know. I know Josh Downs was ailing as well. And they were trying to figure out things uh, going on uh, in their wide receiver room, trying to find another target for him to throw the ball to. But still, he still kind of hit this wall um, right there. Also had a game against Notre Dame where he threw five touchdowns, but also saw a dip in production. So I'm kind of watching how he's going to be playing against better teams as well this year. But at the end of the day, I'm just nitpicking about this guy. I think he has a lot of things to like, and he's my easy quarterback too going into next year. Yeah. All right. So he's my QB one Corey ruining up there though. Um, now I, I think those concerns are warranted though. He really did fall off there. He saw a lot of pressure from Georgia tech. I know Keon white got at him a lot. Um, and then he played Clemson and Oregon too. These are like some tougher defenses compared to what the ACC is usually dishing out against him. The reason why I like him more than Caleb Williams, though, just to put that out there, is that I think he can operate in structure and out of structure. He's prototypical size. He's athletic enough to even run on the ground there, where I believe Caleb Williams makes most of his money out of structure. And we saw that last year with his legs going down, and they just lost to – he couldn't get the ball out when he without his legs. So that's the reason why I have Drake May higher now. Like, I'm not saying like, it's a definite, like, he's way head and shoulders better. This is, like, two guys that I think are both top four, top three picks. Like, I don't think these guys are dropping out of the top five like, at all. So, mm-hmm. you know, potatoes, potatoes there, honestly. Um, but we don't really need to talk too much about them. You want to go into the rest of the room? Yeah, let's talk about some other guys. You know, starting with with Connor Harrell here was a true freshman last year. The hype has been pretty good about him, I guess. They're feeling pretty confident about him being behind uh, Drake May right now, six foot two hundred and five. Most people seem like they're treating him as the guy that's going to take over next year. Doesn't really have the size you love. I haven't studied him from a film standpoint as much as maybe I'd like to to get to see like kind of what he has um, uh, in his tool shed to know what what to expect from the guy but if you're looking for the next guy in this room it's probably Connor Harrell yeah uh, I'm the same as Corey I haven't really judged him at all he hasn't played a single snap here last year at all Uh, last year's offseason he was buzzing Uh, there was a quote-unquote quarterback battle between the two of them I never believed that (laughs) that was definitely coach speak to me they just don't want to lose him in the portal later on but Yes. Uh, So Connor Harrell was supposedly in a quarterback battle with Drake May, but you should feel good that you're in good hands as a future quarterback there. And then I wrote down the true freshman, Tad Hudson. I just liked him. I don't really have much to say about him. I liked his his size, too. I think he needs to work on his touch. He's a little bit too easy to sling the ball. He's definitely mistake prone. But at least I like the aggressive downfield nature of his style. So um, ready to go on the running backs. Let's do it. Uh. This is still hard to decipher, right? So last year you had the straight line bruiser of of Bowser for uh, UCF. Uh, before that, you had uh, Kimani Vidal, who was you know a solid G five RB, still is. Um, on a like CFF level, though, uh, didn't top twelve fans points per game, uh, even though he had like thirteen hundred yards and touchdowns. So 
none of these guys are studs. Uh, they seem to get a little bit better once he leaves, but he's not really known for making running back studs here. So going into the running back room, we have Amarian Hampton, who we saw some early run last year with all the injuries, was pretty inefficient, and then lost the job to the incumbent stars, which was like Caleb Hood. I want to say there's another guy that I'm escaping the name right now, but who Caleb Hood succeeded to just not be anything special at all either. So uh, Drake May led this room in rushing yards last year, which was a really wild stat. And I was like 600 rushing yards, a little bit over that. Um, so Hampton, who who Austin had to my guy on the guide, uh, <laughs> is, is we're, we're probably, trying to put him so low. <laughs> yeah, I think he was like a tier seven guy, and Austin just could not be having that. So, um, so anyway, we have nothing positive to say about him. You want to say anything about him? I just think he's a plotter. I really do. Austin doesn't. I think he's a plotter. Yeah, I mean, uh, to go back to the guy that you were trying to think of, I think you're thinking about Elijah Green, who we can get into yes. in a little bit here. Um, Marion Hampton, obviously, we saw him in the beginning. He just saw, like, a massive boost in value over those first two games versus, like, FAMU and, like, Georgia State, where he ran, like, over 100 yards in each of them, looked like he was going to be, like, the guy, and then just, like fell off a cliff, like against better competition, like without those first two games, his average would have been 3.4 yards per carry for the rest of the season. Um, so he really fell, fell out of favor, only 17 touches over the last six games, lost those touches to the aforementioned Elijah green, who wasn't really effective with them either. Yeah. 511, 205 fourth year guy, um, only over 4.1 yards per carry in one of the, of the final six games. So again, two guys that were incredibly inefficient. So hoping to see a little bit of a jump here, seeing hopefully a jump in that offensive line as well. Um, both these guys, when I was reading the spring reports, are labeled as co-starters, and we have seen him use multiple backs a little bit as well. Um, looking at Isaiah Bowser and, and um, oh, I can't remember his name right now. The other guy that was playing there as well, just slipping my mind. Harvey? Yes, Harvey? and RJ Harvey. Yes, thank yeah. you. Um, so those two guys playing uh, together. So he does use two backs, so there could be room for both of them. But I don't know if I feel good about like one of them really being the guy. Yeah, and the other guy is George Petaway, uh, five foot ten, one ninety five. Definitely more of a pass catching back skill set here. Who caught the same number of balls as Amarian Hampton with less yardage, though? So that was kind of ironic. But uh, and then and then I I wrote down I wanted to mention the true freshman Jordan Louie. I think he was a higher three star. Uh, he's one of those guys that checks every single box. And then we watched the high school tape. Didn't play high level competition, but looked really efficient in it. But you can just tell the athleticism is just not there. You know, he's not having this insane breakaway speed he's not he's not an insane power back where he's just trucking 10 kids at a time the way you see like some of his high school tape he's just you know checks all the boxes and you think he's good enough you know he has a workhorse skill set but he's just good enough so heading over to the wide receiver room so same consistent theme here Lindsay's wide receivers are a little bit all over the board um but since 2016 he hasn't had a single wide receiver go more than 815 yards or catch more than seven touchdowns and let's just get right into the guy here Devontae walker that whole stat makes me so worried about Devontae walker he's gonna be fifth year fifth five years removed from high school he'll be 24 by the time he's a fresh he's a rookie in the nfl so he's gonna be an older prospect and you want those guys to dominate every single step of the way and lindsey just hasn't had a wide receiver do that yet so Devontae walker is our wide receiver to watch here. He comes over from Kent State. He's six foot three, two hundred. Let me around there, two hundred pounds. Um, can run twenty three miles an hour in pads with the football in his hands, and he's a phenomenal athlete. And then while he's on Kent State, he was dunking on UGA players, Georgia players who are like the uh, the poster of just uber athletes. So 
I have no doubt that he's going to transition well into the power five. Love that he's tied to a Heisman contending quarterback and a future first round pick in the NFL. Um, just worried about the system. Yeah, I, I think we can agree that uh, as much as we like Devontae Walker at his price point, he is probably one of the riskier guys at the price point. But the Absolutely. high, the upside is is there, right? So you want to take the you want to take the plunge sometimes. And yeah, we when we see lower level guys, we want to look to when they're playing top competition. So we look to the game versus Georgia. He went seven for one hundred six and one touchdown. Kent State actually gave Georgia like a pretty hard time in the beginning of that game. It kind of pulled away a little bit, but it, it actually was awesome. made a game. It was awesome. Yeah, the first they, half. Yeah, they made a game of it for a while. That game as well was where he was recorded the 23 miles per hour. So he did that against a top competition as well. So you love to hear that. And I mean, the spring reports have been buzzing about this guy ever since he, uh, arriving. Um, many are tabbing him as a breakout in uh, the beat reporters around there. Cover three, the beat reporter just came on there. He was saying he was consistently getting behind the defense. So it was hard not to talk about him. He was the first guy he mentioned when they talked about the wide receiver room. Um, but yeah, there, there's just there's just some risk here, obviously. When you're bidding on a G5 wide receiver, the, the track record isn't always it's kind of spotty when g5 receivers are hopping to the power five but i will admit that most of our our data on that is pre-transfer portal so we kind of have to see you know how how it evolves now with more guys being able to transfer especially when they show a little bit on g5 level they want to hop up right away so that's going to be something we're kind of going to watch further down the line and he just has traits that i'm willing to bet on at this yep. level, you know, he's got the size, the speed, and I, I'm just willing to see where that goes along with a lot of the hype hooked up with a Heisman at quarterback. I mean, everything is really set up for him to succeed. So if he doesn't, we can pull the plug and be whatever. But if he does, he's going to be a really interesting guy heading into next year's draft. Going to next year, too, I think I, I know Felix, I kind of like this comp, too. Compton to Christian Watt, Christian Watson, yeah, right. The, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. yeah, the Green Bay wide receiver there from the FCS. Um, I do think Christian Watson is a little bit awkward before like the catch point, you know, like he's just awkward bringing the ball in. Uh, but so I think Devonta says that a little bit better, but I think overall that's probably a pretty solid player comp. And not that I'm a big Christian Watson fan. Cause I think I don't like him as a player, but I also look at green Bay and I'm like, he's clearly the best player on green Bay's roster. So I think he'll be fine, you know, until that changes. Uh, yeah. but I think that could be what he is at the next level. So his price point now is, has gotten to the point where it's definitely something big. I mean, you said it. This is risky. Yeah. This is risky. So, and he's also older too. So I don't really like that too much, but I have him high in my rankings. Like, I don't. Uh, it's I just it's just one of the guys that us collectively kind of at campus again to have been you know we're, we're just betting on this guy yeah there's there's unicorns a lot of the time or not a lot of the time uh in in these analytics in these trends that we find and we're kind of picky we're, we're putting our bets down on on walker to be that unicorn so hopefully we're right uh but we'll end up seeing what happens this year anyways i just finished overhauling my rankings i kept hinting at that last week uh He's been a steady dropper for me. 17 to start off the offseason. Now he's mm -hmm. down to 22. So, I mean, not dropping, but uh, he's not high enough for me to get him anywhere. I don't have him anywhere. Yeah. A anybody else in this room you're kind of interested in? No, but we do have to mention Andre Green. He was a mm -hmm. physical freak and a highly toted uh, wide receiver last offseason. I know he slid into my freshman top 10. Um, he was a year one zero, never got on the field. Um He's you can just drop him. I'm sorry. I, I prescribed to the U10 theory. There's only been two guys to beat it. It was DK, who's an actually physical freak, um, who came in super raw. And the other one was Jarvis Landry, who was stuck behind an amazing trio at LSU. And I think he was also hurt as well. So Andre Green doesn't have either one of those excuses. So I I, I you can just drop him and just forget about him. It's good. You can move on. Yeah, I mean, we're doing a pretty deep draft right now with 
probably some of the savviest minds in in the industry right now. I guarantee he'll probably go undrafted. The only other two guys here that maybe, at least from a C2C standpoint, if you want to maybe look for that slot production, I, I don't know if it'll be there, but you've got Nate McCollum, who I believe is a Georgia Tech transfer. Can you correct right. me if I'm wrong on that? And then Kobe Pesor, who's there, could possibly be the guy there. They might be fighting for like that, that, that same position, but at least guys who might have a future at a slot position in the NFL, but probably, you know, day three picks at the best. Not not guys that we're typically uh, very invested in for Debbie. Yeah, and then speaking of Georgia Tech, let's just go right on over to Georgia Tech. New OC, <laughs> Buster Faulkner, previous OC, Chip Long, he's out of here. So Buster Faulkner... Uh, comes over from Georgia. He was a analyst at Georgia from 2020, 2020 to 2022. Uh, 2019 Southern Miss offensive coordinator, 2016 to 2018 the Arkansas State offensive coordinator, and then from 2012 to 2015 he was the Middle Tennessee offensive coordinator. Um, he's never been an offensive coordinator in the Power Five level. Like that has to be noted. Uh, so, and this is a very similar storyline to Chip Lindsey, where it's very hard to nail down like some consistencies. And his and his coaching style. So, again, this is very wide open, um, but there's a lot less talent here at, at Georgia Tech. Um, they do have a transfer in in Haynes King over here at quarterback. Um, what is he like a six year guy? Like I don't know. Like no, I think he's only fourth year, fourth or four, fifth year at the most. But I'm pretty sure he's only a fourth year guy. I'm very disinterested in Haynes King. I don't really want to talk about him at all. But uh, do you have anything to say about him? No, I mean, a high-ranking guy that went to, to Texas A&M originally. Long, yeah. lean, like athletic. Like, he was very similar to me to to Evan Prater, you know, back in the beginning. And maybe it's not a coincidence that they're both kind of fizzling out, and, and that's a type that maybe I should be attracted to as much as I was back then. But, um, yeah, it just never really came together for him. Just didn't seem to read the field well. Didn't seem to be a very good passer. He's more of an athlete. Um, and, honestly, he might not even be the starter here. The guy – a true freshman last year, I believe a guy by the name of Zach Pyron, who's got um, some nice size to him and stuff uh, was like a a top 10 dual threat last year. If I'm not mistaken, had three starts um, before an injury for himself. Didn't do anything amazing. His best game, 253 passing yards, 77 rushing uh, yards, uh, two touchdowns and one interception did go over 60 rush yards in two games. So he has kind of like that wheel thing to him. He seems like he might be the starter this year. So maybe if you want to invest in somebody uh, in Georgia Tech, if that's your flavor, not probably not somewhere I'm going to go. But if you want a quarterback, might be a guy near the end of your draft. We're in a three-quarterback draft right now. If you need a quarterback, maybe he's your guy in round 45. Yeah, and then um, heading on over to the running back room. Uh, again, there's there's no real like fancy-relevant running back from Faulkner expelled here. They never averaged over more than 10.5 uh, fancy points per game for CFF standards. But they do get... Louisville, pronounced Louisville, not not Louisville. I've heard a couple podcasts this week from Campus Kid not saying Louisville. Uh, but from Louisville, we got Trevion Cooley running back coming in. He was a breakout guy for a lot of us last year. Obviously, that didn't happen because here he is over at Georgia Tech here. Uh, Corey, were you – I don't want to I don't want to put it on you, but weren't, were you like – you were a little bit of a Cooley fan last year, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not ashamed to admit it. Me and Alfred, actually, I remember and this is another guy back in his Why Wait Till Sunday days where we were watching film and he was one of the guys that we watched as a freshman and we kind of liked what we saw. Um, guy who has a little bit of a pass catching background as well. Good size, 5'10", 210 pounds. He just never really got the opportunity at Louisville. Was always talked about well by the staff. Was even like voted best player of the spring, most improved player. And then it just never translated to the field. Um, there hasn't been much buzz about him. Um 
uh, in the spring so far with Georgia Tech, but he did lead the team uh, during the spring game in rushing for eight for 59 yards. Maybe there's room here for him to make a difference. The only the only other guy that has been getting a little bit of buzz through some of my uh, report readings, through some of my news reading, is a, a true freshman by the name of Evan Dickens, but he's super small. He's like 5'9", 180 pounds. We're obviously going to have to see a lot more weight be put on before we even consider him as a, as a, a Devi asset. But he was... Uh, he is one of the guys tabbed as a potential true freshman who could make an immediate impact uh, in year one for these guys. All right, heading on over to the wide receiver room. We have Christian Leary transferring from Alabama. Uh, he's only seen five targets the last two years. He was a five foot ten, one seventy five speedster. Like Dallas is thinking, just like he's a track guy. Um, year one zero, obviously, just never really translated. Uh, so, I mean, his career stats are three catches for ten yards and one touchdown. Yeah, uh, so cool. he's over here for Georgia Tech. There's just nothing really to talk about here. I'm not really interested in him. I know he's got the pedigree. Uh, there was a guy I know Felix was toting a lot in the offseason, but I think he tore an ACL in, in the spring, and like that was it. It was Leo Blackburn, ACL. Anyway, he was oh, exciting. Yeah. He was a very athletic kind of alpha bill type of guy. Like a, like a, I think like a discount Quentin Johnson type of dude, you know? So yeah, uh, but tore an ACL, so doesn't matter. Uh, we're done with Georgia Tech. Probably yep. for the rest of the year, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> let's head on over to Miami. New offensive coordinator Shannon Dawson comes in. Josh Gaddis is out of here. He killed Miami this year. He'll kill Maryland next year. But anyway, uh, Shannon Dawson was the Houston offensive coordinator from 2020 to 2022. 2019, he was the Houston tight end coach. From 2016 to 2018, he was a Southern Miss offensive coordinator. 2015, he was the UK Wildcats offensive coordinator. And then 2012 to 2014, the West Virginia offensive coordinator. Um, my, Mario Cristobal is just blowing through offensive coordinators. I don't know if he's trying to save his job by doing it, by blaming other people. They're going to catch on soon, though, because this is his fourth OC in the last five seasons. So going over to the quarterback room, Dawson does bring some air raid coaching into this room. Uh I know I, I think a lot of shows have mentioned this already, though, on the podcast for Camp Skin, that there's some questions if he was actually calling plays at Houston or not. I think there was like some rumor or some hints that he gave up play calling duties, like I think like week four last year to um, the head coach there at Houston. So because they were just not that productive to start off the year. And there was a pretty obvious switch in play calling duties there at Houston. So that's a little bit cause of concern. But alas, he does play a role in developing Clayton Toon, who was a day three quarterback early, early, early day three quarterback for the Cardinals. Getting some buzz, he might start the year if, if Kyler Murray's out. Um, let's get into the QB room. Let's start off with Tyler Van Dyke. Uh, I'll talk about him first because I was definitely one of the guys that was super high on Van Dyke last year, uh, which I was wrong about. Uh, anyway. <laughs> he's got your prototypical size. I think he's got a good enough arm. I think he's got good enough mobility. He really elevated his offense two years ago. He elevated the offense. I mean, none of those receivers got drafted. You had uh, Rambo, Oklahoma transfer come in, almost a thousand yard receiver with Tyler Van Dyke, and then went on to be a UDFA. Just having a quarterback that elevates a wide receiver room like that, you have to take notice of that. And he was on a tear for like, I want to say the final nine games of that season. Mm -hmm. I was very excited. And then Josh Gaddis came in and just killed it. He killed it. He murdered it. So um, I think Van Dyke could bounce back here with Dawson going back to a air raid coaching style tree. He's healthy. He was a little banged up last year. The whole team should be healthy. I hesitate saying how much they're going to be back. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing with TV with uh, Tyler Van Dyke, um, obviously, you know, the guy, guy who was getting first round buzz after that 2021 season, um, 
you know, I think he started really slow with the change in new offensive coordinator this year. You know, like the first four games, he had like two games over 200 yards, whereas like the last nine game stretch you were talking about, like he was like over 300 yards in like every game, like some even over 400. Like it was yeah. just like rid- ridiculous. So the only thing I will say is like, I want to give him some leniency for, for adjusting to that, for adjusting to a new wide receiver core as well, because I will say he had those first four games that were pretty bad. And then all of a sudden, like week five, he picks it up. Week six, he picks it up. Like through those first two weeks or those week five weeks, I think it was five and six, might've been six and seven, averaged 423 passing yards per game through five touchdowns, only one interception. I mean, this is when we saw the emergence of Colby Young. We talked about it on our show during the year when it was going on. That was when we saw it was during that mid-year part. And then he just has an injury that pretty much ruins the rest of his season. But to me, it felt like for those two games, like it was almost starting to come together a little bit. And I want to say that maybe we were seeing some elevation of the team, whereas before I was maybe a little hard on him. It didn't feel like he was doing much. But looking at that two-game sample size, it's like, man, I really wonder what would happen if we got to see the rest of the season, him building in this offense, in this system or whatever. But now we're entering year three. We're going to see a new offensive system, or not year three, the year four for him. But now we're going to be seeing a new offensive system and him adjusting to it as well. I wonder if we will see another similar slow start unless Dawson's offense, which is just, you know, predicated on offensive firepower just happens to get the best out of him. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's another slow start for him, maybe adjusting to that. But I do think there could be a little bit of a bounce back here for TVD. I feel like I liked when I look back on it, I actually liked what I saw more than I originally thought. Yeah. So uh, week one, obviously they played Betham cook, which is like some small school this year. So like he mm-hmm. didn't, he didn't like, you know, he threw his like 16 passes and got out of there and that was it. But yeah. uh, they had Xavier Restrepo was the wide receiver one went down to injury and in week two, we're going into the wide receivers guys, right? When that catching on. So <laughs> Xavier Restrepo was the wide receiver one to start off the year, went down with injury in week two. Colby young was a Juco transfer, not fully integrated into the system until he caught win in, in week six. So I'm hoping that maybe this, the receivers were just that bad. Uh, so I, I think that's really what happened there. Just no pass catchers. And then obviously Van Dyke got hurt once he started getting his steam again. So, Colby Young's here. Let's talk about Colby Young first. Six foot five, two fifteen. Reports are that he's working out. He's looking more lean. Honestly, watching him last year, I wouldn't have guessed he had bad weight. But that's kind of what he's saying himself this offseason. That he's like, you know, hitting the gym. He wants to become a better at bowling ball. And that's kind of what he is. He's just a like a really good athlete at six foot five and can be that prototypical X. And during those two healthy weeks that we had with him and Tyler Van Dyke, his dominator rating was at 40%. I'm rounding a little bit there, but 40% dominator rating in college, if he could have kept that for the rest of the season, like the back half, I mean, because they had Duke, Pitt, like Pitt, you know, like there was some easy lineups there. Um, he got hurt and we're just sitting here asking, well, what if, what, what if it did happen? And so um, he's definitely a guy for me that I think is a fringe day two guy. I'm very excited about him. I'm obviously in on Dawson getting this offense fixed. I think Tyler Van Dyke is still talented. And obviously this wide receiver core got better. And even even in, in interviews with Tyra Van Dyke towards the end of the year, he fully admittedly saying, like, I didn't know who Colby Young was until like midseason. Didn't yeah. know who he was. So aren't they doing a let me let me know if I'm lying through my teeth here. Aren't they doing like a roommate thing, him and Colby Young, like a house experiment thing in Miami? No, that's Cal that we were talking that's about Cal. where they're doing that, that, okay. that thing. Yeah. Right. But yeah, Colby has has honestly, through my reports that I've been reading, being been one of the best wide receivers this camp. A lot of people are thinking that connection can go forward. I mean, C- our CFF team has Colby ranked the highest of the uh, of the Miami wide receivers. I believe he's a top 40 or top 30 wide receiver, I want to say somewhere in that area. Um, but yeah, 
more of your physical possession type, um, you know, doesn't really get separation early in the row. Is the kind of guy who gets it at the end of the row. Um, maybe to see a bit more refinement from him in that area, but he's just, you know, 6'5", 215 pounds. He's just a physical freak. And I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what he can do here kind of uh, with, with Tyler Van Dyke. And I mean, this room is just full of misfits. I mean, you got Mike's misfits. These are misfits right here. You, you got Frank Gladson who broke out with Joe Nada at Clemson yeah. back in like 2019. He's here. You've got Tyler Harrell, the guy who everybody was like super pumped about traveling over to Alabama uh, to be a nice little speed deep right here. Then you've got, you know, Brashard Smith still. You've got Xavier Estrepo still. It's like a, it, it's a room of misfits, really. Another guy, Jacoby George. But um, the only other guy I will say I'm interested in for Debbie, I actually just drafted him in our deep league. Um, kind of been a guy that a lot of people aren't talking about, but I just kind of have a thing for, and that's Nathaniel Joseph is a wide receiver there, a freshman coming in. I believe he's a top 20 ranked wide receiver in this class. One of these, one of these smaller, uh, playmaking dynamic wide receivers, you know, but, but he was a talk of spring, uh, really had a strong connection with, um, quarterback Emery Williams. I want to say, uh, um, I want to talk about as well is a freshman that came in this year. He had great reports all spring as well. Uh, Nathaniel Joseph caught an 80 yard touchdown from him in the spring game. Emory Williams himself had like a five for five for 50 yards. Like he's apparently been really good in camp and they're t- saying that he can possibly open up as number two this year in front of Jacurry Brown, who we saw last year play a little bit, didn't look that great. And it's followed into this year as well, where the spring reports have been pretty bad on Jacurry Brown. They're saying, you know, they might figure out some other ways to use athleticism, but Emory Williams hopping up to quarterback two here might, you know, might be the heir apparent to Tyler Van Dyke going into 2024. I like the call there. Um, I will say this about Rochepo, though. He was roommates with Tyler Van Dyke last year. I knew that. Um, and then watching the spring game, it was clearly Colby Young and Rochepo were like the top two targets. More of a 1A, 1B. Obviously, I'd rather Young be the 1A, but or like be just the one, like not have a B at all. But uh, I know I was also a Brashard Smith fan. I'll just talk about him right here. He's just not <laughs> developed enough. He was a slot guy, but had that great, nice, like thick, robust build while also having some like NFL level speed and was caught to being Tyreek Hill. And that's what he looks like as an athlete, not as a player. And he also beat year one zero molds. Like I think he had like six of the eight targets. He just hasn't developed enough for me to care anymore about. He's still available in this draft, by the way, in case anyone wants to take him. It's okay. I mean, you have my, you have my stamp of approval, but uh, let's go to the running back room. We got Travante citizen whose injury has, uh, de- I don't know what to call it. His recovery has been derailed. He's been set back. Uh, I don't have really much more to say about that. I'm a little concerned about it. We loved him. I think he was a tier one running back for us. He tore an ACL, obviously. Uh, and it's just not been able to practice since that ACL. And it was like an early ACL last year. He didn't even get to touch the field. So usually expectation is like, you know, one year. We expect him to be back. But it all the news is not trending positively for his ACL. And so I feel like the Debbie train is just getting away from us. Um but I'm not excited about anyone in this room. Like, I think he can maybe take it over next year. Yeah. I mean, it's possible, but I mean, I'm just, I mean, this was a guy who was a raw coming out of high school as well. He wasn't like a, a refined prospect. We just kind of a guy who played both sides of the ball a guy. who wasn't super refined at being a running back. Felt like he kind of needed some of that time to, to get working. And now we're, yeah. We lost the ACL. Now we come into this year, had a setback early in the season. Hasn't practiced since they have no idea when he's going to come in. So 
it's apparently a pretty significant setback and I have no idea when to expect them. And I know like they have a freshman, they have some guys there uh, right now, Harry Parrish or Henry Parrish. Can't remember where he came from, but he's probably the guy that's kind of headlining the room right now, but they bring in another freshman that they're kind of pumped about in Mark Fletcher, who I know that we're not super pumped about here at campus to Canton. Um, just feels like you're like old school running back like 10 years ago like this would have been like one of the most sought after prospects <laughs> that you could think yeah. about right like like big man six foot to over 220 pounds like powerful runner not afraid to take on contact gonna mow you over like gonna, gonna keep turning for yards but it's his overall overall uh, athleticism that's probably like the major concern that comes in for us like not a very twitchy guy not a guy that we even think shows a lot of burst, um, a build-up speed guy. Our recruiting team has him clocked under 20 miles per hour on his best run. So it's not even like this guy's running that speed all the time. That's on his best run. It was like 19.9. And he's really a complete zero as a receiver too. So so the thing I will say about him though is he strikes me as a type of guy who can, who can find success at the collegiate level. You know, like ramming through guys. If he's just a man amongst boys out there, then maybe he could be a you know a four-year starter at a power five level. I don't I don't think that's out of his realm of possibility. I just think that ultimately the athletic traits are are, are gonna make him suffer in the eyes of NFL scouts. So um, you know, possibly a banger role at the next level, but not a guy that I'm really thinking has Debbie value. But I really think he could possibly eventually become the guy from Miami because I think he could be a good collegiate back. Yeah, he can become like Audric Estime, who I know. Like I wrote a yeah. Debbie Gabbard profile and he turned like a battleship. I mean, but like, you know, he runs a really nice straight line. I'll tell you that. He's been kind of killing yeah. it over Dane with that line. <laughs> um, uh, and then Parrish came from Ole Miss. Uh, he had a, he yeah. Yeah, a very hot start last year. 108 yards and three touchdowns on 14 carries against Bethlehem Cook. And then against Southern Miss, he had 23 carries for 109 yards and one touchdown. I mean, people were, people were getting ahead of themselves. Uh, on that one, I remember, <laughs> remember that. Remember that? Uh, a little bit. He had some buzz. The same thing with Amari and Hampton. We all we, we were too excited yeah. for the beginning of the year. <laughs> Gonna sell those guys. I can't wait for overreactions. I'm I'm like itching at it, dude. I can't wait for week yeah. one overreactions. <laughs> um, can't wait to get my own out there. Uh, so yeah, that's really it. Uh, let's get over to the wire. Nope, we already talked about wire receivers. That, that's it. Then we're done with running backs here for Miami. Um. I'm excited for Miami fans to be done with the Josh Gaddis experience. I hope you guys enjoy the Dawson experience. Yeah, you're a fan too. It's okay. You can tell people. Ah, dude, I, I'm the Miami guy over here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's it for coaching changes. So let's head on over to Duke. No coaching changes here. They're a little bit of a hot team towards the end of last year. Let's get into the quarterback room. Um, we should have had a guest talk about this Riley Leonard guy. Cause there's one guy out there that is the number one fan of Riley Leonard. That's going to be uh Michael Nelly fan, friend, friend of campus skin, but uh Riley Leonard quarterback here at Duke. Corey, what do you think about Riley, Riley Leonard? Yeah. Shout out, shout out to Nelly there who has the famous quote of saying Quinn Ewers is better than Riley. I mean, uh, Riley Leonard is better than Quinn Ewers <laughs> with a hashtag Debbie. That's something for CTC. So that's bold right there. But he's, this guy is a pretty trendy name uh, among people who are kind of looking for another quarterback to, to put into this top tier heading into the 2024 class. I don't think he's that guy personally. I do like him for C2C. Um, but I mean, like he's got the size you like he's 6'4", 210 pounds, um, ran for like 700 yards and 11 touchdowns last year, which was good. You love to see that. Um, 
I don't think he's a great passer. He definitely took a step forward from the first time we saw him back in 2021 during a couple of brief experience, uh, um, appearances. But the thing that holds me back about him um, of being a little bit more aggressive with him or even maybe just like liking him a, a little bit more, it's probably the arm talent. And I mean, I, you'll hear me talk about that a lot through these shows. You know, guys like Jordan Travis, guys like Dilly Gabriel, guys like whatever. Like this is what holds me back on buying into like any of these guys. I just question if he has the velocity, even despite being a big guy, that he has the velocity to hit a tight window throw in the NFL. I have questions about whether he can succeed. Like if he reads a play late and has to get the ball there, can he get it there before a defensive back can close on it? Like I just, I just ultimately think that arm talent or, or lack thereof is going to be the biggest thing that prohibits him um, from an NFL future. Some people want to make the Daniel Jones comparison. Another yeah, guy that kind of a meat. Yeah. With kind of a mediocre arm. I I'm just telling you right now, I don't think every white quarterback who's a little bit mobile with a mediocre arm is going to end up as Daniel Jones. That might be a unicorn a little <laughs> bit right there. That's just not a bet that I'm willing to make right now. Um, and I'm just seeing some traits. I just don't think are going to translate to the next level as well as people think. He does have great size. He's six foot four, two ten. He, yeah has legs that's kind of important now nowadays nfl i i don't know i think Corey kind of nailed it here he really did it's he's just uninspiring as a thrower um but do you like do you think he gets drafted like he's a day three guy like you believe that yeah i i could see that yeah someone wants to get him in camp uh, you know toss him around like i don't think like here's a comparison for you that might bug people like kyle trask with mobility like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, that's kind of what the arm talent reminds me of. Because Kyle Trask, despite being a big guy, didn't have the arm to back up being a big guy. Like, we expected it to be like kind of a rifle, and it never was. Like, that's kind of the same thing I picture with him as a passer. Like, I think he's like Kyle Trask as a passer, but has legs on top of it. So I, I could see him being a draftable asset. I'm just not very excited for it. Yeah. All right, let's get over to the wide receiver room. Because I do have I, – I can contribute more in this one here. We do have a, uh, a a duo here in Jalen Calhoun, I believe, is entering his sixth year, and then you have the quarterback converted uh, Jordan Moore. Uh, you have these two guys here. Uh, Calhoun was just kind of like the safety blanket guy, kind of a short area intermediate guy. Don't ask him to do too much. He's going to get you like fifty yards and five catches, and like that's it. Uh, Jordan Moore has been piquing my interest a little bit here. Quarterback converts, so we haven't really seen him be fully developed. We haven't seen mm-hmm. him like you know, scratch the service, but he has a 200 yard receiving game on his profile, like 11, I think it was like 11 catches on 19 targets or something insane like that. But both these guys are super long shots. I think Calhoun's more productive, but I, I think Jordan Moore's guy that I'm more intrigued about as an athlete has more of a ceiling play. Yeah, I'm actually 100% with you there. I think both these both these guys are probably more C2C assets than anything. I think Calhoun's actually a fifth-year guy, but Jordan Moore's a little bit younger. He is only heading into his third year, but um, these guys really came on down the stretch. Calhoun himself, 39 targets over the last four games. Moore, 31 targets in the last two games alone, which was which was pretty uh, pretty good. Um, if you take a deeper look at the stats, they're, they're actually quite the duo together. Like, I mean, both of them. One had 82 targets, one had 83 targets. One had 56 catches, one had 57 catches. One caught four touchdowns, one caught five touchdowns. Both played inside and out almost 50, 50% of the time. Like they both just like switched all over the place. So it's it, they really like complemented each other really well. They really worked well as a duo. But Jordan Moore, because he's younger and because he kind of has like an interesting backstory here, like came into 2021 
true freshman as a quarterback, was competing for the starting job, entering last season, lost the job, ended up transferring over to wide receiver, made a huge impact in his first year as a wide receiver. He's got the better size, six foot, almost 200 pounds. He could potentially only be scratching the surface of, of what he could be as a wide receiver, which makes him interesting to me. I did do a film study on his pit game because it's just, you know, 199 yards. I thought it would be more fun. Uh, yeah. I was a little bit bored by it. I'm straight up honestly there. I was a little bored <laughs> well, that's not yeah. good. But. <laughs> yeah. Also, to see some special movement ability, at least with the ball yeah. in his hand. As a yak threat, like he gets the concept, but he's not really making plays. So at least I'm hoping for some improvement there. And most of his receptions were more off zone coverage. Like he was beating zone a lot. And he definitely yeah. knew how to find a soft spot in that game. He knew how to find the soft spot in zone. So, um, which is fine. You can be successful doing that. Rasheed Rice was a zone guy. Uh, mm-hmm. and he went to the second round to the Chiefs uh, to the Chiefs there. So I don't think he's out of the question for more. I just thought I'd see a little bit more of a technician than I did. I don't know. These, these QB converted guys tend to at least like be ultra athletes. It's just how it tends to yeah. be. But I didn't really see that in his gameplay. So, again, I'm with you, though. I'm a little bit hopeful for the youthness. He's new to position. We haven't seen the whole surface there. So Jordan Moore has piqued my interest as far as Devi goes. He's 100% on my radar, on my watch list. Yeah, whenever I think of these old these converted quarterbacks and guys with a little bit of size too, I always think of like Jacoby Myers, who I believe at one yeah. point was a converted quarterback. So maybe there's like some kind of there was there's kind of some upside there too because I don't think that he's a super refined guy or super technical guy, but he's found quite a living in the slot in the NFL level. So maybe something that we can aspire for for Jordan Moore. And Jordan Moore is probably a future Patriot because Wes Welker was a. Uh, converted quarterback as well too this is what we do and we also we yeah. picked up emory jones the the um edelman is is the one i think you're thinking of i don't think oh, walker, edelman. i don't think welker was a quarterback was, sorry yeah they get mixed yeah. up my head patriots they do fan. be grabbing those they they do be grabbing those qb converted guys and put them in the slot yeah. so jordan moore welcome to the patriots here i'll tell there you there you that. go <laughs> um the running back room is there anyone here you're looking at no um right. no yeah there's yeah, i don't I, do we mention names even or do we <laughs> I didn't <laughs> or do we down. just move on? No, I mean, Jordan Waters, Jack has more other Jag types. The only guy I will say in spring reports, freshman by the name of Peyton Jones. Um, they were all dealing with injury. He stepped up big time, had a nice spring. There might be like some value there if you want to go like 40th round in a C2C draft. But that's the only guy whose name that popped up when I was looking for him. All right, let's get over to, well, let's just be done with Duke. Duke, that's it. Thanks for coming by. Uh, going to Pitt. No changes for Pitt. Uh, the new QB here for this team is Phil Jerkovich. Phil Jerkovich comes over from Boston College. He is a sixth-year guy. Um, I'm not interested in him in the NFL at all. I think he kind of missed the boat. There was some hype around him for a couple years. Uh, but at this point, I think he's just underdeveloped, or I want to more say he's damaged goods. He kind of had a lot of injuries suffered. I think he just had some bad habits mm-hmm. developed from those injuries. Uh, so I, I, I'm really out. I do think it's an upgrade over Keaton Slovis, though. I'll give that to them. Yeah, it's it's amazing how much – in a sense, like my, my, cause I was a Phil Jerkovic fan when he came out. I thought I saw some upside there. His first year at BC, I thought I saw some upside there, but the comp I made was Carson Wentz. And it's amazing how his collegiate career and Carson Wentz NFL career has kind of almost gone the same way. Maybe not to the same level. Like there was some excitement early, then injury struck from the playing style and then like never fully recovered, never looked like the same guy after the injuries, right? Like they're same size. They have the same kind of playing style. So I mean, there was a lot of similarities there that I think even kind of meet up now, even looking at their full career thing but you know phil jerk effect it's it just Pitt is almost going through like they're just running through washed up transfers at this point so i don't know who the next guy is gonna be but you had slovis last year you got jerkovic this year he'll move on now they're gonna bring someone else next year i don't i'm not sure who but nothing really exciting here in the uh 
pit quarterback room. Yeah, a world destination place. I was <laughs> I'm seeing a little <laughs> bit of a story here. I because we're in the straps together, dude. I've been like going down some rabbit holes. I went down the rabbit holes of like Yarnell Nate or something, their third string yeah, yeah. quarterback who had yeah. like a really decent game against some G5, something some low level competition. I like really got into it. I was like, dude, this could be a guy. And I hit a boss. I'm like, awesome. What do you think about this guy? He's like, I don't know why you're messing me at midnight about my third string quarterback. And I, <laughs> you know, and I was just like, all right, never mind. Uh, so that happened like two nights ago. But um, yeah. So you know, Yarnell Nate or whatever you say his name. Keep an eye out. Yeah. Uh, the wide receiver room. We're not really interested in anybody here. I just want to talk about Kanana Mumfield for a little bit. <laughs> you have to. Right? You have to. I know. He was a big guy for me, and this is where I learned my lessons about G5, the P5. Because he, yeah. he he put some of the Ohio State corners on skates, and I was like, dude, this guy can do it. He's uh, He's got some refinement to him. And then in the spring game, he did the same thing to some pit safety and cornerbacks. I was like, he's got them on skates as well. Look how wide open he is. <laughs> and then it, and it just never happened in season, which is also a tale of caution in the spring games. They're basically preseason games from the NFL, but they're like preseason for for um, college as well. You can't take everything out of that. So uh, he just couldn't get it going. I don't know to say more about that. He was wide receiver two. Uh, I forget who the one is because the one didn't even get drafted, and he was a 1,000-yard receiver at Pitt. So – I'm not really worried about Mumfield. I think the CFF team has him projected to be the starting wide receiver there, the number one. I don't doubt that. Uh, but as far as as Devi assets go, I'm I'm done with Kanata Mumfield. Yeah, I mean, I was never really actually in on Kanata Mumfield, but um, I know he had, you know he had some nice clips. He did he did do some nice things at was he Akron? Was that where he came Akron. from? Yeah, yeah. So he, I remember him. He there was some nice film of him back in the day. He I was on my radar, maybe not to the level of some other people, but yeah, he just never really put it together. He just seems like at best a depth wide receiver on the next level, and yeah, not really anybody else here. I'm super interested. Yep. Uh, going over to the running back room though. Uh, so this. This team started out being a du- a tandem duo of running back room. Uh, Izzy Abanacana was on the radar for being athletic, but we always said, like, this is a split backfield, so we're not going to see him take over. So we're not super interested in Abanacana. I think he became a Tier 5 running back for us in the guide last year. Uh, but we all mentioned his upside. We really did like the athletic traits there. Uh, the other running back in this room who we're really talking about is Rodney Hammond, who got hurt last year, which let Abanacana get the full run there as the one and eventually got drafted fifth round to the jets um rodney hammond Corey talking about mr hammond yeah like i think he'll be a productive c2c guy i don't know if he has like the athletic upside of a guy that like israel had um which is really half the reason i think israel even got drafted because i mean you watch his film he was a very raw runner a lot of just straightforward maybe like one cut here or there like there was there's a lot of things that he can do to refine his vision but it was those athletic traits that i think really got him um winning at the college level and drafted but ronnie hammond only five nine 195 pounds um i believe he's entering his third year so he could pack on some weight still but i just haven't seen anything to this point that really tells us we should be considering him seriously for w purposes like c2c you need a starting running back i think he's going to be your guy i don't think he'll be as productive as a band account was i don't think you guys should expect that if you're taking him but a guy who can at least be a potential every week starter for you i think is is probably all i'm thinking about him as hammond did come back week eight uh, i can't remember what his injury was he was really inefficient as a runner but Again, he should be getting the bulk of the workload here. 
I have nothing else to say about. Him. I'm sorry. I'm like looking at the stat sheet. I'm like, this guy was really inefficient. Like, I mean, obviously he came off an injury, so can't be too mean about yeah, it. But just another one of these guys that falls into the bucket of like your like Jawar Jordans and your RJ Harveys and your your yeah. of like those C two C productive backs in those those like middle rounds. Five nine one ninety five. I don't like. I don't think he gets drafted. No, I mean day three at best. Yeah, at best, and doesn't make the roster after spring camp. Anyway. Uh, over to Virginia Tech. This one should be quick too. There's no changes. Uh, maybe they should have. I put that down on my sheet. <laughs> um, so the quarterback here is still uh, Grant Wells. Grant, Grant Wells. Wells was, yeah, Grant Wells was a two-time AAC first team over there at CUSA uh, for Marshall. Mm-hmm. I believe that's CUSA. But anyway, um, so I was like, maybe this guy could be somebody. I mean, AC, ACC defenses aren't really you know too powerful. This guy was first team two years in a row for G five. Uh, he looks terrible. He looked he looked absolutely terrible. And I scooped him up everywhere. So that was some virus remorse right there. I had to give you guys that. Uh, still the quarterback here. The running back room. Malachi Thomas had some fun weeks there. He's another smaller guy. I have nothing else to say. I don't think he's a Devi asset either. I don't think he gets drafted either. Do you have any thoughts on Malachi Thomas? <laughs> uh, well, at least just going back to the quarterback room, the only other guy I will mention that I know that Matt Bruning likes a little bit is Kyron Drones, formerly of Baylor, was a top 20 quarterback in the 2021 recruiting class. It was one of these guys that had a big jump after his Elite 11 uh, showing, like like really did well at, in that setting, very perf- uh, powerful arm, kind of became a sleeper from there, couldn't find his way at Baylor. Um, he's not going to start here either. That's going to be going on to Grant Wells. So we'll see if he can maybe become the guy in the future, but at least just an interesting guy. But over to running back, uh, Malachi Thomas was a freshman, I believe, two years ago, who had a little bit of a pop. People were a little yeah, bit excited about him last year, but then, you know, had the injury trouble and didn't really um, show us anything. Uh, six foot, 205 pounds, so not the smallest guy, but does have a little bit of size to him. The one guy that I have been reading a bit about taking some late stabs at just to see um, in drafts is a guy by the name of, uh, I'm going to mess up his name. I don't know how to say it. Basil Tootin. Okay, I kind of made the joke with you in the Debbie chat that he's kind of like the Walmart version of Scadabo, which is like uh, Cameron Scadabo, the guy going to uh, Arizona State. Um, he's just an, another very productive transfer from the FCS level. Um, 5'11", 200 pounds, coming over from the Big South Conference, uh, the North Carolina A&T Aggies, <laughs> where he was a workhorse there. 208 rushes. Um, 1,363 yards, 13 touchdowns to go along with 31 catches for 342 yards and four touchdowns through the air. So this was a guy who contributed in both facets of the game, similar to Scadabo, enters a room here that doesn't really have a strong competition, similar to Scadabo. So there was a lot of comparisons there, which is just odd to make. But I mean, the main difference here is we're talking about the state of Virginia, Virginia tech here. It, it, that's the other thing to consider here, which is really why I'm only taking stabs at him late in the drafts, just to see if something can happen. And he's had some good spring reports. They haven't backed him as much as like Arizona state has backed Cameron Scadabo. Uh, they pretty much said it's going to be, you know, between one of these two guys, Malachi Thomas and, and Tootin. But I mean, with Malachi Thomas's injury history and him being kind of like inefficient, I just wonder if there's room for him to be the guy that they've been kind of looking for, for, for the past couple of years now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you there. Thomas was 15 targets. That's pretty cool. But like eight missed tackles for us on his career. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go on over to the wide receiver room here. They do have Ollie Jennings transferring in from Old Dominion. Ollie Jennings has had a journey. So power five wide receiver mm-hmm. for two years at West Virginia. Uh, I think he had like career of like 300 yards for those two years there. But anyway, transfers down 
to the G5 level. So that's automatically a red flag right there to Old Dominion. Uh, pops off last year for, I think, almost 1,000 yards. I think it was like 980, something like that. Spends two years at Old Dominion. And now for his fifth year, comes to Virginia Tech here where they just can't get the offense going at all. This was a very – this guy was definitely one of a, a – a G5 favorite among a lot of people. And as soon as he transferred to Virginia Tech, like you just don't hear anyone talk about him anymore at all. Yeah, this one hurt me a little bit for sure. Like as a guy who was kind of like a big Ali Jennings supporter for C2C at least, like as an, as an asset over the last two years, this actually goes with kind of one of my philosophies. Yes, big red flag when they transfer down for Devi. Okay, but for C2C, I get a little bit perked, okay? Because when they yes, transfer yeah. down, they become a man amongst boys wherever they go, right? Like, uh, even I'll, I'll give you some more examples. You look at a guy like Alex Adams uh, over oh, at Akron right cool. now, who who we might get into a little bit more when we highlight some G5 guys. He came down from LSU. He's a monster. Sam Wiggles, who's at Ohio State, um, or, or, or is at Ohio now, came from Ohio State. He's blowing up over there in Ohio. He's the best wide receiver over there. So the same thing kind of happened here with Jennings. When he was at West Virginia, transferred down to Old Dominion. He was an absolute monster over the past two years. Like He was averaging like 22 points per game or something like that. So now I just really don't know what to expect out of him. Like, um, I know the CFF guys have him ranked like somewhere in the top 60 of wide receivers. Like they're right up on him is actually pretty optimistic thinking that he can do pretty well here. Like the kind of like he's an underrated guy, but as far as Debbie goes, like this is a complete long shot. Maybe someone who could be like East West Shrine bowl game kind of thing. Maybe get attention that way from a production standpoint, like we're entering nice. around 40 of like C2C uh, league of record here and sharp, some of the sharpest minds in the industry, he's still on the board, right? Like nobody can, nobody wants to pull a trigger on him. I think, I just think a lot of it has to do with Virginia tech more than it has to do with, with even the player. Yep. That's that wraps up Virginia tech there. I'm not going to go into more about that. Let's go into an exciting <laughs> one here. Let's go into <laughs> university of Virginia, UVA going down the street. Oh, no coaching changes. One. Yeah, well, maybe not because there's a, there's a stud here. I'm telling you. Yeah, guys, okay. yeah. Um, going to the quarterback room. The quarterback room is such a mystery to me, but they do have a FCS transfer in Tony Musket. Uh, I have nothing else to say about that. That's it. I just I like the name Tony Musket. <laughs> He's got it like is, a musket yeah. for an arm, you know. It might it yeah. might go nowhere. You have no idea where it's gonna go. Anyway. <laughs> I I actually had no idea where he was. You put his name on here, and I was like, "Who the hell is this guy?" But another guy from the same conference that like Bashel Tootin was playing in, or whatever, it was a freshman of the year in like 2021 or something. But he was actually pretty bad last year. Followed it up pretty badly. So and he he did enough to to parlay it into a power five transfer. So I guess we'll yeah. see what he can do here now. But why don't you go into your boy here? Let's talk about the wide receiver room. Yeah, they'll have to rely on my guy Malachi Fields. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, came in as a three-star athlete, six foot four, two fifteen. He's a great mover for his size. Uh, back when back when I almost said Joseph, back when Robert Anai was the offensive coordinator, he had a freshman year of like two hundred yards, and you know, kind of beat the year one zero mold. But he's a three-star, so it really applied to him. So he's productive in a busy wide receiver room with players like uh, Dontavian Wicks, and then there was uh, Kemp was there, and uh, so was um, I'm forgetting the super tall guy. It's like six foot seven, six foot six. Anyway, it was a very crowded wide receiver room, and Malachi Fields comes in. He's successful there, and then it was supposed to be his breakout season. He breaks his leg. He comes back for one game before disaster strikes at UVA, uh, a complete tragedy. But for that one game, he had 19 snaps, and on those 19 snaps, he turned into 58 yards and a touchdown. He looked good. I mean, he looked really good. He looked as fine as a mover. He attacked the ball at the catch point. I thought he looked phenomenal. And if we had that for an entire season, he would have been talked about as a Debbie asset by more than just me. 
So mm-hmm. I'm over here with my tinfoil hat because he had one good game of like <laughs> two quarters of football max. Um, I was hoping he was going to have a breakout last year. So I still have – I'm still – you best believe he's in the queue. No one's going to touch him in this league. We can talk about him all we want, but I'm going to yeah. have him at the end of the day. I'm going to take him in around 44 just like right before you just because like I, I that's going to be a drop anyways whoever I pick there anyways. <laughs> I'll just uh I'll pick him there. But no, he's the, he's a guy too if you're looking at fan tracks and you like filter it by fantasy points per game, he always pops up near the top cuz he had like the one game that was for like 17 points or whatever. So he always ends up popping up near the top, but I do remember looking into him a little bit for that game. He was kind of like a possession physical wide receiver. Like we really didn't get to see much more from him, but I mean, the only reason he's on my radar is because you've talked to me about him. But other than that, I don't think I'd really have anything to say about him. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like I I know he's not going to work out for everyone listening that 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 nose ball i know he's not gonna work out they their offense is such a mystery in a terrible way i mean tony musket come on so if he even if he is great defense is only at to focus him there's nothing in this wide receiver room there's nothing in this running back room there's nothing in this quarterback room so what could have been what could have been yeah, i really spending too much time we're spending too much time on the wide receiver room in in at virginia let's let's move on okay <laughs> we're gonna go over to notre dame here uh, they're not a part of the ACC. That wraps up the ACC. This was clearly not as exciting as last week's episode, but we're going over to Notre Dame uh, because they're independent. But every, I think I think everyone, and their mother, should consider them a part of the Power Five. I mean, they had the most drafted players in the NFL history. Period. So, and, and they also I think they're like a top five for Hall of Famers as well. So, going over to Notre Dame here, they in the quarterback room they get. Um, Sam Hartman transferring in from Wake Forest. At Wake Forest, they ran a mesh scheme where they would just hold the ball for forever with the running back, kind of just pause. And then he would analyze how the defense would, you know, cover. And then he'd probably either hand off the ball or throw it really fast, like a quick release type of pass. And that's kind of what they ran at Wake Forest. So if you look at a few box score scout, like you'll see Sam Hartman's completion percentage. I want to say it's like 59%. I'm, I'm going to check that here in a second. It's because of the style of play they had them going. They're a fast pace of play. They were more about volume rather than efficiency. And Notre Dame is not that. He'll actually have time to process a defense and analyze a defense and throw the ball with a little bit more accuracy. And we saw that in the spring game. I mean, I think he torched the defense only had two incompletions for like the half that he played uh, in the spring game. So I'm actually really excited about Sam Hartman. He's like a dark horse guy for me to be like a day two guy, probably day three, mm. bit of an older prospect, doesn't have that prototypical size either. Um, but I, I think he's going to ball out this year. Yeah, he's entering his sixth year coming over here. He was the highest-rated quarterback in the transfer portal uh, of all the quarterbacks that had entered this year. I'm not sure if that actually includes any decent names now that I think about it, but he was the, he was the highest-rated guy. Graham Burtz is decent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Devin Leary. Tony uh, Musket. Yeah, Tony Musket. Yeah, Tony Musket. Yeah, there was a couple of guys, but yeah. um, the thing with Hartman, like 6'1", 208, like he doesn't, he doesn't really have the imposing size, and I do wonder if he is that full 6'1", 208 as well, so that kind of worries me. Um, he did apparently start the spring pretty slow. Um, I think that's why there was even talk of Tyler Buckner in the beginning before he ended up transferring, and hey, could he push for the job? This is a quarterback battle. But I think by the time the spring game came around, we saw that Sam Harmon you know, kind of had control of this offense and looked like the main guy, targeted the hell out of Jayden Greathouse, who we'll talk about later. Um, mm. But uh, he, he looked 
like he fit in the system pretty well. I think he's going to be pretty productive. And if I'm not mistaken, I think he even has another year of eligibility, which will give him like seven years if he wants to stay one more year, which is just like insane. But he went way too late in the draft. We just did as well. I, I was staring at him the whole time. I think he ended up going like round 2021 20, or something. But I think people are kind of skeptical about what his – what his production is going to be here. We haven't seen like super productive quarterbacks play at Notre Dame, but maybe he can kind of turn the tides a little bit and hopefully supply some, some better accuracy, some better targets for some of these wide receivers that we want to see break out of this offense. Yeah, no, uh, that's a good point. We did wait for him. I, I was going zero QB. I do zero QB as my strategy. So I was staring yeah. at him at like the 14th or 15th round. I waited and then he went in the 20th, but um, Notre Dame was really disappointing last year on offense. I mean, Buckner was really exciting. Uh, for the first two quarters against Ohio, and then he was just absolutely a, a nothing burger. And then Drew Pine came in, and he's just—I mean, he's—he's—he's he's, he's a handicap out there. So, <laughs> like, there's just nothing going on for offense here. So, if people are skeptical, I think that's warranted, and I think that's fine. Uh, but in the spring game, like, he looked phenomenal, and I'm—I'm I'm down for it. I'm down for for uh, for Sam Harmon. Also, his completion percentage was 62.8 percent last year, but all the years before that, less than 60. I think that's yeah. gonna go up. I think he's a day three guy, though. Personally, I don't think he's a day two guy. Yeah, long shot, day two. Long, long shot. Long you know, shot. Like, like he needs he needs a good senior bowl, but I think he goes to the senior bowl. He's like, not I, think I think like the, his ideally, like he'll probably see like Stetson Bennett draft capital fourth round. I think that's yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's where he's at. All right, let's head on over to the wide receiver room. I don't want to talk running backs here. Wide receiver room. Uh, when Corey mentioned Jaden Greyhouse, I have I have a mustache, dude. I bit my lip, bro. Like, I, mm, you know what I'm saying? I, just, I really I got that excited when he said Jaden Greyhouse. <laughs> Jaden Greyhouse, true freshman. He's six foot two, two twenty. Uh, last I knew, hopefully he lost some of that weight. He was kind of like I want to say he's thick, but he can lose some weight. And the the big concern with everybody here is is Jaden Greyhouse going to be a David Bell type of guy, where he's not athletic, but he's very technically refined. But you need to have athletes in the NFL level. Every NFL corner is going to be, you know, top percentile athlete once he gets on the field. So we need to see more of that. But he was heavily targeted in the spring game. Corey, do you have the stats for that? Are you remember that? I don't. I swear it was like nine for 90 or something or nine yeah. for 100 or something. Like it was a lot of targets uh, for a lot of yards. Not any huge plays, I will say. But he really did work as like almost like a Keenan Allen in the middle of the field running middle out of the, the field, slot. Yeah. Like just, yeah, like just a possession wide receiver in the middle, which could work well for this offense. Yeah, and that's where Michael Mayer worked out, operated out. So Mayer's gone. Yeah. Obviously, he's here. Um, I have Greathouse as a tier two wide receiver for me for freshman. I have him ranked, I want to say, inside my top 20, 25. No, he's not 20. Oh, no, he is. He's wide receiver 18 for me overall. I, I am in on Jane Greyhouse being a Debbie asset. Sorry, right. I, I think me and Corey got burned a little bit last year because we were worried about the level of athleticism that Ted McMillan was. And we're also a little bit worried about Jaden Greathouse here. So I'm more checking off the box as good enough for now and then hoping that he loses some weight, you know, maybe like 10 pounds or maybe he just refines that into more muscle. And then we can see a small step in athleticism where we can say that, you know, he'll be good enough for the NFL. Yeah, like I honestly think that you nailed like the profile or our worries about it and, and the, the strengths of his profile as well. Like I think he's just on the cusp of my tier two, but it's kind of been this whirlwind with him where like in the beginning, I think when you first study his tape, it looks really good. Like I, like we were high on him like early in the process. And then, 
you start thinking about the athleticism and how it's going to translate to the next level and if he's going to have it. And then all of a sudden we dropped him a little bit. Then we see him in the spring game and we're like, oh, yes, he's the guy we thought he was. And we jack him right back up to like where we thought he was going to be. So it's just kind of been like this wave with him. But I am still skeptical about that athleticism. Um, I mean, yeah, the, the Dylan Bell comp is something that rings in my head a little bit of a guy who was just very productive out of that slot, very good possession wide receiver, but just didn't have the, the or at least not yet has had the athleticism for it to translate to the NFL level. So I'm um, the thing with, with great house is he is kind of more of that thicker, you know, physical, a little bit more physical than I thought David Bell was. So I think that he has that as an extra part of his game that can hopefully help him translate a little bit better the next level. Uh, for everyone that caught Corey say Dylan Bell, he meant David Bell that one time anyway. Yes. Yes. David. Bell, uh, thank you. But too, just too many bells out there, but um. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then I think people were worried because there was a rumor out there. I don't know where it originated from. I think I knew where it originated from, so I'm, sp- I'm speculating here that he was going to be a tight end at the next level. That's because ESPN ranked him as a tight end recruit. Uh, so I think that's where that rumor came from. But I think we can all put that to bed. I just wanted to address that. Um, but no, hey, Corey, that was funny. I actually totally forgot because I did lower him down the wide receiver 32 when we were all concerned point, about it. Yeah, yeah 22 <laughs> to start the season, 32, I think, like, when spring hit, and then back down to 23, and then now he's at 18. For me. But I, I have a very hard time ranking, like, these three freshmen, Cordell Russell, Jaden Greyhouse, Jerion Dickey. Like, those three to me are very hard to to rank. So I'm happy to get yeah. either one of those three in the same area. But. You're almost fighting with athletic upside between refined receiver in that tier. You know what I mean? Like, do you take, yeah. like, the guy who's just – refined or the guy who has a bunch of upside so yeah it's a tough tier to figure out um the other wide receivers in this room though uh tobias merriweather was a top 20 guy last year six foot 210 kind of like that alpha build uh showed up caught one touchdown for 41 yards never saw him again <laughs> uh, I, I is that enough I, is that's that's not enough to break and no is you know year one zero so no, nothing, yeah, nothing. no receiving touchdowns no. don't count no uh so uh i believe when I was talking to David, he's ass on football. He's a Notre Dame fan, so he's got some connections in there. Uh, the coaches did, didn't like him. Like, just I don't know. He just said reading stuff, reading between the lines that he just somehow like wasn't on the side of the coaches. So if he's still in the doghouse, I'm very disinterested. I'm already disinterested as far as Debbie goes. Again, you're mm-hmm. one zero. Like that's it. He's done to me. Um, but I think there's some. I, I imagine he's ranked pretty high for CFF. I'm looking into that. But what do you think about Tobias Merriweather? Uh, yeah, like I know, uh, what's his name? Nicholas CNL and uh, CFF Winning Edge is in this this draft with us as well. He took him, which kind of perked my eyes, my uh, ears or eyes a little bit, whatever, when I saw it. Uh, still a little bit late, though. Like I think somewhere in like the round 30. So at least he's got, he, he seemed to think that he's got a little bit of hope here um, to be the guy. I'm kind of off of it uh, a little bit as well. We I think we did actually include him in our Debbie guy, like right at the end. There was enough people and there was enough buzz in the spring that we were kind of like, oh, we'll throw him in there at least. Um, the, the other guys that did get a lot of buzz at least throughout the spring, and I think that's just because, you know, there wasn't a lot in this wide receiver this wide receiver room to begin with. And that was the three freshmen that came in. That was great house. Uh, another one by the name of Rico Flores and another one by the name of Braylon yeah. James. All of them were ranked pretty highly and all of them have had a lot of buzz throughout the spring. So I think like this wide receiver core is far from set. And I really don't know what to expect. I wouldn't be surprised if, if we see one or two wide receivers get some pretty good playing time in this offense this year. Um, Rico Flores, by the way, is a, a speedster. He's a straight line, field stretcher type speedster player. I uh, got some good hype too in camp as well. Um, yeah, no one's might be a good compliment to, to great house there too. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of a vertical player there. I wonder if he gets drafted or not. I won't touch him, but 
Or maybe I will. Who knows, Corey? Maybe you should have them. <laughs> Honestly, I have like my queue like already all like almost figured out. And I keep like moving some guys around, but I'm pretty much like set for like the last 10 rounds here. Got you. Um heading over to the running back room. Uh we got Audrey Gastamay here. Audrey Gastamay is a I think we mentioned him with Mark Fletcher. He's a he's a slower running back. He's more of a straight line guy. He doesn't have a lot of wiggle. He's just a a thumper, a banger, an early down banger. Um they did have Logan Diggs. Logan Diggs transfers to LSU. Uh, they had Chris Tyree. He's a smaller little scat back type of dude. Transfers to be a slot receiver or converts over to be a slot receiver. So there's nobody else there behind him except for two players. Um, Jeremiah Love, who's my, my dark horse freshman here. Um, and then, yeah, some of my last name is Payne. Uh, Love is one of the smaller guys. He's he's got a good frame though. He can put on the weight. I believe he's like a six foot one ninety type of guy. Pretty typical for freshmen to be that size. Um, and then uh, Payne is also getting some some love out there too. Corey, do you have any opinions about uh, Payne or Love outside of Blair? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just not a huge Jeremiah Love fan. He just he just profiles to me as like a, a complimentary back, and it's just not somebody that I'm willing to too strongly invest in because I really don't see the CFF upside and I don't see the Debbie upside. So he becomes right in that middle ground for me, where he's just you know clogger uh, to me at least. Anyways, sometimes I do think that we are too hard on Audric Estimate for a guy with size, for a guy who it was a good over, year. It told over a thousand yards last year for a guy who's going to be in line now with Logan Diggs out the door to, to see another heavy year like that. Like sometimes I think we're, we're underestimating him. Like I know that we're holding on to at least some priors, at least from, from his movement skills and stuff. And I just, I, I want to see it develop a little more, but I'm just saying I'm not out on Audrey. I think we have to see more from an athleticism standpoint or else we're going to be pretty worried about how that's going to translate. The only other guy that I will mention here, uh, yes, uh, Gabri Payne or however you want to say his name, he got some love, but Jadarian Price was a, was a running back last year. Um, got a lot of love in the spring, uh, looked really good in the spring game and then towards ACL and we never saw him again, but that's another guy that could fit into this room somehow, but they really liked him last year. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if somehow he ends up as like the running back too, if he's healthy. Um, and I know maybe some people are also thinking about Chris Tyree. He transferred over to wide receiver full time now. So he's a full time wide receiver and the reports are actually that he's not doing very good at it, <laughs> which, which is not surprising at all. Like that, that he can't, that he's struggling on tracking on deep routes which is what some of the one of the beat reporters wrote but what he was excelling in the short term and midterm which is like exactly what you're running out of the backfield anyway so i really am i have no hope for tyree to be anything he's a crazy fast guy he ran a 4.3 at the openings back as a recruit but just not somebody that you guys should be holding out any hope for at this point um i we i gotta backtrack a little bit we failed to mention lorenzo styles uh he transferred to ohio state to be a defensive back so he was the assuming wide receiver one last year. We didn't um, fail to mention him there. He's just not worth mentioning. No, <laughs> I don't want anyone <laughs> to like wonder where he was. My issue with SMA though, um, have you like looked at like his game log? It's just so inconsistent. It's so hard to like, like he has multiple games below 50 yards rushing. And then he has like four games over like a hundred or three. Sorry. He's got three games over hundred yards. It's just, and it's like random games too. Where just, just like he didn't get any running as UNLV. I don't understand why it's, or Stanford. It's weird. I think I think they really just ride rode the hot hand because I mean Logan Diggs was here last year, right? So I mean I yeah. think they're just whoever had the hot hand in, in either one of the games, that's who they'd end up riding. So this year will be a will tell us a lot about him. I think because he's, he, I think he's going to be the guy this year and who the offense is going to run through. So I, I think that there's something there. I'm watching him at least. I'm not ready to write him off yet. Let me say this: uh, ceiling comp or maybe just absolutely hopeful. Do you think he's AJ Dillon? 
No, I don't think he's that athletic. AJ Dillon's a freak. Okay. So yeah. Early day three at the best, like best case scenario, you think? Yeah. Yeah. Especially with the way the running back position is going fourth round pick. And maybe you hope that he can make some noise like a Damian Pierce or an LG or type. Yeah. Empty, empty field there. Yeah. yeah. I can agree with you there. And I do think he's in for a big year too. I mean, this backfield did empty out. So I, I do think he's going to have an even better year. <laughs> Guys, that wraps it up. Uh, I want to go back to an earlier announcement. So Next week, we're going to start off the year with a mailbag episode. So we're going to be putting out on Twitter. Uh, we're going to be putting on our Discord for our members. So just keep your eye out. You can even DMs too. We are looking for questions. We're doing it for the users. We just want to say thank you to all of our fans that have kept us going through these years. Uh, it's been tough. It's been a tough winter for Corey. He had to survive out there. And, um, you know, so anyway, mailbag episode next week. Bring all your questions. I don't care if it's football related, not football related. Um, don't ask me about, about cricket. I see Tim Alb constantly posting about cricket nowadays. I'm so lost <laughs> on what he's posting. Um, but ask us questions, uh, any questions at all. So thank you guys from Corey and from Mike. Good night and good luck.